Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Ion Veterans ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the app today. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. There are nearly 20 million military vets in the U.S. And each week we focus on their stories. This is CBS Eye on Veterans. All right, welcome back to CBS Eye on Veterans. I'm Navy veteran Phil Briggs reporting for ConnectingVets.com, the military news and veteran lifestyle website. Now, on this show, you know I love talking to veterans who become entrepreneurs or vetrepreneurs, right? Now, there's a fitness trainer, there's tactical trainers, but we've also had, you know, barbecue sauciers and brewmasters, guys that invented, I don't know, flag-making companies and bottle opener manufacturers. I mean, I never tire of hearing about new businesses that veterans start and the way that they turn their transition into total success by working for themselves. And I've never had a guest like we're getting ready to have today, though. He's both an apparel brand founder and a bedroom builder. Chris Jones, an Army veteran, and his son Nate created MOS Apparel. And he's also the founder of a company called Adaptive, which designs luxury spaces for kids' rooms, both residential and commercial play areas. And honestly, if you want a treehouse in your house or a baby's room that would rival Disney's Cinderella, Adaptive is an amazing company. And I can't wait to hear about how Chris got into designing spaces so with that army veteran chris jones welcome to the show brother thanks phil <laughs> thanks for that nice intro that's very cool <laughs> indeed it, i mean because you're unlike a lot of vets out there I, you know everybody knows you can go into the trades become a plumber become an electrician and live a long prosperous life everybody knows general contractors uh, do well everyone knows opening a franchise can yield huge success but your path is is well, it was unexpected. Let's yeah. start with what I did find. Okay. Uh, originally found you on a T-shirt. A lot of vets make the veteran-themed apparel. But what I liked about yours was not just 
that it has the Navy on it and it mentions my ship, but the fact that it was kind of a deep dive in graphics into what I did in the military on the front is my rank. And it says journalist says photojournalist on it shows I was a proud E4 (laughs) on the back an infographic of an aircraft carrier USS John C. Stennis, where I served in this case, but shows and details a little bit more about what the job on the carrier does. And as an infographic and the name and rank shirt, it's unlike any shirt that I've ever seen. So before we get into fashion, before we get into apparel and before we get into designer luxury spaces, um, Let's start with Chris Jones, Army veteran. You didn't do any of this in the military, which is what I found Uh, the most surprising. Yeah, I was 13 Bravo artillery. So artillery crewman uh, then became uh, ammo team chief and crew chief uh, on the gun. But and that was back in. So first Gulf War. And Mm -hmm. so I was in a unit in uh, West Virginia Army National Guard that got deployed. And honestly, if it wasn't for the guard. I wouldn't be where I am today. So hats off to all guard members and guys who want to go to college and need a way to get there that their parents can't afford. The guard is a great way to go. And, you know, I'm not getting paid for the, by the guard to say, <laughs> say <laughs> right. but it, it was such a, a smart decision for me. I, I joined uh, when I was a junior in high school, uh, ended up finding out that, Hey, if you go to WVU, which where I went to college, you got tuition paid for back then it was, you only had to pay $800 a semester. If you were in the guard, now it's nothing. So you don't pay anything if you're in the West Virginia guard. So it was from being in the guard, gave me the opportunity to become a graphic designer and get that education. Right on, right on. The national guard is uh, America's Swiss army knife. I mean, we've used them in a variety of ways, whether it's for COVID COVID testing, we've got a natural disaster in Nolens. We need, uh, you know, tornado recovery in Kansas. The national guard does it all. And, uh, uh, Proud to hear that, uh, you know, you maximized all your opportunity there in the great state of West Virginia and uh, glad that they send you their tuition free. Uh, if I know anything about WVU, that's uh, that's important because uh, you got to have a little extra money for beer money up there in yes. Morgantown. I um, it's definitely, definitely need that. <laughs> one of the hardest party in schools I think I've heard about. Man, I love WVU. Good stuff. Um, so much to unpack there. Okay. So really you were involved in the shortest war of all time, right? You were yeah. there desert one. Were you boots on the ground there or were you just yeah, stationed yeah. Uh, across the berm getting ready to go? No. So our unit, when we came in country, we headed up, if anybody remembers, it was called Tapline road, went all the way up to the West along the Saudi Arabian border with Iraq. And we were at the far top left, basically way out to the West. We were initially with the 101st that was up there that a bunch of log bases up there. And then we would go further in certain, it was one specific night, but did fire missions for the French and then would pull back. And then on the, you know, day one on ground go day, uh, did missions for them at a place called El Saman. It was an air base that it was taken over by the French and also 82nd airborne came in. And from there we got turned over to the third armored division. We were only in Kuwait for a small amount of time was during all when all the fires were burning. I remember we were kind of like, where the hell are we? And somebody was telling us where we are. We were still way to the north. So you remember the visuals as seen in the movie Jarhead, right? Where there's just like oh, yeah. endless vast desert and then oh, oil yeah. refineries just on fire, just huge yeah. torches coming out of the ground. Yep. It was crazy. Wow. And we, we were also at, if anybody remembers, 
like a lot of the units were were impacted by it, but it was when they blew up the um, combat engineers and blew up a bunch of ammo dumps that had, to this day, they think there were chemical munitions in them. Like that's <laughs> what so many guys have been sick from. So I remember when that thing was detonated and we we were probably like 10 to 13 miles away. And that was a massive mushroom cloud <laughs> that, from that, from that explosion. I remember I was facing the other direction in our ammo carrier and it like rocked the vehicle. I was like, what the hell? And jumped out. Everybody's looking, you know, it, it had to have been, you know, it was probably over 16 miles away, but that I won't forget. Like our stuff, when it goes off, you could hear it, but you can't see it even if it's three to 28 miles out. But that was different. I can only imagine the like dystopian landscape oh, yeah. out there with like black oil coming from the sky and everything on fire and you're out yes. there in the middle of the night and it's all illuminated with a red sky. Yeah, that's it's nuts. Yeah, because when you're in it, you think this can't be real. Very so, cool. Great. Now at the great. time, did you know you were like inspired by graphic design and doodling? Were you the guy that was just like sketching and drawing on yeah, crap inside the I, tank or yeah, I would. I was doing all the vehicle. I would do uh, logos and stuff on the different every every gun wanted their own symbol. We were the Punisher, like Punisher icon from uh, comic books was on the front of ours, and so everybody we, we'd do something for everybody. Um, so I was always always doing something art wise. Yeah, so you knew you had it in you, and yeah. of course you maximize again the guard, and you are able to get a BFA, become a graphic designer, and um, let's face it, a lot of that veteran experience stays with us, and for an artist, no different, kind of affects the type of art that you do. You know, Renaissance era, people drew naked people. Um, everybody was naked. Uh, veterans probably draw a lot to do with the military. I think that takes us almost right up to where you and your son now are working with these shirts. A shirt with your rank on the front, uh, the name of your rating or your MOS. So for me, I was a photojournalist in the Navy. I got the cool E4 rank here. And on the back is this infographic that shows a detailed description of what I did and where I did it. In my case, I was on an aircraft carrier. So you've got the USS John C. Stennis kind of graphic design on the back. And then it shows the rating and it's a little subtext in there about, you know, what you're doing on that ship. And it's so well put together. It literally tells the story of what photojournalist U.S. Navy is. And of course, like all of our veteran military shirts, got the cool U.S. Navy emblem on the shoulder. You know, we see flags on the shoulder of so many veteran inspired shirts and military inspired apparel. Um, talk to me about how you got involved in making MOS apparel, because I also see that your son, Nate Jones, yes. is involved and I see he's a 12 Bravo. So yes. share with me a little so bit about the merger of MOS apparel. So it also that's it goes back I think three years now or two and a half years to where my son followed my footsteps and as a junior in high school joined the National Guard and went in as a combat engineer so twelve Bravo went to Fort Leonard Wood and while he was there I thought hey you know what I'm going to do a cool shirt for him and his platoon and I sent it to him and he's and you know mail slow and I got it back and he said oh my god. Can you, could you, everybody in the platoon wants one. So it was kind of a, I thought, wow, you know what? Maybe there's something more here. Welcome back to CBS Ion Veterans. I'm Navy veteran Phil Briggs. Now today we're hearing the story of Army veteran turned graphic designer, Chris Jones. He went from a Desert Storm deployment to becoming a graphic artist 
and would eventually design and build the kind of exotic interiors you see on TV shows that showcase the coolest homes in the world. But I discovered him as the founder of a custom t-shirt company that showcases any veteran's MOS or their job in the military in a very cool infographic style on the front and back of t-shirts. The story of MOS apparel and how it got started is also the story about a father-son military team. So we, we started MOS Apparel because my son had also joined the Guard, uh, went in as a 12 Bravo, did some shirt, a shirt for him specifically, and then he said, hey, everybody in the platoon wants one. And when he, so we went ahead and did it, did for everybody. And then when he got back, the two of us kind of brainstormed and thought, you know what, let's do this as a hobby. And Etsy online is so easy as a hobbyist to sell things like that. And you don't have to, doesn't break the bank to open a company, right? In using Etsy. And the idea was let's do MOS specific or unit specific shirts for guys. Cause we know the pride of either your MOS or your rate or your unit, right? So, or the combination of, so now it's, I don't know. I love wearing a 13 Bravo shirt around and people asking me or other 13 Bravos artillery guys when I, you know, they're like, Oh my God, your artillery, you know, what unit were you in? What'd you do? What, you know, things like that. So it's much more than just wearing a shirt that might say Fort Sill on it, which is the home of artillery or, you know, Fort Bragg when it's specific it's much easier to talk about what you did in the military to people and to tell them the story of what you did. What I've loved about wearing this shirt is just in my neighborhood so far. It's a conversation starter. And when you were in the grocery store line, or if you're talking to a neighbor or something and you've got this on, they'll naturally start looking at the back and, and it's everything from, Oh, that's cool. You did that. Or, Hey, I was on that ship too. Or, Hey, I was stationed there. And, and as you'd mentioned, you know, no better way to find out who in the rooms of 13 Bravo than have a shirt that says 13 Bravo, you're going to meet him instantly. And the storytelling you've put together with the infographic, not just some cool catchphrase tip of the cap to you, man. Very good. Thank you. Uh, let's Thank you. talk about MOS apparel and sales. You said you started this kind of as, a, as an aside. And I think that that's the other kind of unknown thing. All of these brands, Black Rifle Coffee, Grunt Style, any one of them started out of the trunk of somebody's car or in somebody's garage. Very, very small. You started on Etsy. Uh, where has it gone since? So we started on Etsy and, you know, at, at first it's been what, a year and a half now, or maybe close to two years now of doing it. Something like that. Probably two years. And at first it was, and what's funny is it's still mainly just me putting some pictures out of stuff on Facebook on different groups, but I won't push hard because I don't like being like super salesy, but guys will see it and I'll get contacted or I'll message somebody in a unit and then the unit will reply back to me. So since then I've sold like 2,500 to it's probably more like 2,800 shirts now, which is a good amount when I'm not even putting any money behind it at this point. It's still, it's still a hobby for my son and I, but the goal is, you know, to make it much larger. You know, this is something that even he can have in the future after I am long gone. Real quick, almost forgot to ask this question, but uh, with respect to the stories that are being told with these t-shirts, with MOS apparel, um, you're interested in doing a project right now that is ripped right from the headlines, right from current events. I'm talking about the war in Ukraine, Russia's invasion of Ukraine, and you came up with this incredible idea to assist 
through a t-shirt or a sweatshirt. Explain to me what this design is going to look like and how it can actually assist boots on the ground over there in Ukraine. Yeah. So my thought was, I was thinking about this last week and there's a friend that I have who's in the Ukraine now. Um, and he's owner of a company and he literally just had to shut the company down and he's in the field now. Right. So it was learning about that, thinking what, what else could I do? And also learning that the Javelin system, anti-tank rocket, right, is being used prevalently over there. So my thought is, if you don't know how to use a Javelin, you're not trained up on it, you haven't gone to 11 Bravo school, um, how do you use it? So I, I this week, I want to do a shirt that does like the six easy steps to using a Javelin, and as but as simple as I can do it. So the idea is that I'm going to print it on the front of a shirt, but upside down. So that as the user, you can pull your shirt out to read it so that I don't have to take my shirt off as well as print it right side up on the back. So if you're with someone, you can be following it. But it's, you know, it, that's an idea I came up with just a week ago. And so mm-hmm. that's something I think I, you know, that's something that I could do that I think can make an impact. And the question will be how quickly I can get that out. Super cool. And what I liked, especially about having some, you know, weapons instructions, some artillery instructions on a shirt or a sweatshirt is as supplies and humanitarian relief is trying to flow in, you know, obviously anybody looking through, it's not going to let a crate of weapons get by. Or if the, if the convoy of humanitarian aid gets stopped by Russian soldiers, God forbid, uh, you know, they go through, they're not going to see weapons. This is going to be boxes of apparel, boxes of t-shirts, hooded sweatshirts and they'll just be like okay it's clothing let it go you know you could pack it in with a couple blank ones on top so it just looks like it's i hope it's that way i think that should work very cool and again it underscores why i love highlighting vets that become entrepreneurs because whether it's your full-time or your side hustle mos apparel still growing and uh, you can find them on instagram and facebook just google mos apparel look for uh, hashtag what's your mos All right. Now, beyond storytelling T-shirts and family-founded business opportunities that are now servicing the apparel needs of veterans everywhere, you got into something even crazier cool. Um, I don't even know how to explain this. The portfolio you sent me about some of the projects you've completed for designing interior spaces for kids is mind-blowing it literally some of these bedrooms look like walt disney did it or that it literally should be in some theme park or amusement park uh i cite the cinderella baby room a wall of baby blocks some of them open as drawers some of them are just you know wall graphics three-dimensional window seat there and then the crib looked like it was Cinderella's carriage, white with full wheels and a center area where you put the baby. I mean, I know this room wasn't cheap, but the thoughtful details in everything from like the flower-shaped lamps to the colors to the custom cabinetry and carpentry that you had to use to make this room, just mind-blowing. And that was just one example in dozens that are in this book. So share with me how you ended up designing kids rooms and founding the company adaptive. Yeah. So jumping back now to when my, so my son and daughter are now 19 and 16. So we have to go back 19 years ago. I was deep into doing graphic design still for kind of corporate America. And it wasn't until I had my son 
did his nursery room and friends quickly said, Oh my God, could, can you do that for me? Just as friends. So I did a few and then pictures online started getting picked up by many people and started getting passed around. And I quickly saw this is where I make the big change in my business and my future. And it was focusing on kids interiors and creative interiors. And since then I've done rooms in, I've been to Thailand five times. I've been to Dubai once I've been, I just got back from Indonesia, but I've done, I've done rooms all around the U S from San Francisco to uh, Mississippi to New York. And the, the clients range anywhere from someone who just, they, and they, some of them get insanely expensive, but uh, there are people out there who want something very unique. I did a room for, if anybody remembers, Jonathan Papelbon from the uh, Red Sox, who was a closing pitcher. Oh, yeah. Yeah. For him or for, you know, people like that. But, you know, also business owners, whoever. But it's it's become, you know, a true love of being creative in kids' spaces. And I was able to carve out this niche. So if you do a search for cool kids room on Google, you'll see my stuff. You said you designed your son's room first. Yes. What was that? Because if so many people liked it, tell me more about what that initial design was it was murals. I did the first carriage crib, looked like a chuck wagon. And then that quickly took me to a neighbor's asking me, hey, could you do something neat for me? Welcome back to CBS Eye on Veterans. I'm Navy vet Phil Briggs, reporting for ConnectingVets.com. Now, we've been listening to my interview with Army veteran Chris Jones, who went from Army artillery to graphic design to eventually building rooms for kids like the ones you see on those home renovation TV shows. Now, it all started with an innovative chuck wagon crib he built for his own child, which was complete with the canvas top and the four Western wagon wheels. Word soon spread about what he could do, and soon he was building other kids' rooms and exotic playrooms with features that look like something straight out of Disneyland. And you'll see a picture of a um, of a giant shoe armoire, and it was like a nine-foot shoe that I created, just like the old story that the uh, woman who lived in the shoe, right? Yeah, yeah. So it was based on that, and... You know, it had night lights in the little windows in it, and it was all the windows and door were functional for storage. And it was about nine and a half feet tall. It, that, that's when things really started to kick in. A few companies then reached out, and I've been on the front catalogs of some kids, you know, magazines where they they also wanted to offer some of my stuff. So they would market my kids' doors that I do, which are little mini doors. And so I've been on the the covers of those catalogs a number of times over the years. It's been fun. I've also seen a cool kind of thing that I don't know how many of these you do, but you'll do like, you'll take a space and you'll put like a tree house in it or like yes. a clubhouse in it. And it looks like it's a twist on like an elevated bed or something uh-huh. like a bunk bed thing, but you yes. kind of twist and you make, uh, talk to me about the one room you did called action Jackson, which appeared to okay. be like an elevated bed. And then it had railings all over the walls. <laughs> Kids could climb up into their bed, like any number of pathways. And it had like built in storage and cabinetry, yeah. but it, it, it literally looked like a clubhouse. Yeah. That, and every, just so, you know, every room I try to make unique and it's really based on the family's kind of intentions on, 
how long they want the room to last, what the budget is, what the focus is on the room. And I try to now, back in the beginning, I was kind of, kind of totally open to a family who wanted to say, do very themey, where they might say, we want to do ours Marvel or I don't know, Winnie the Pooh or some specific topic. But I try to steer families away from that now and be more general. Just are you looking more natural learning? Is it just creative side? You know, some some more general terms so that it lasts longer. Because if you're going to invest that kind of money, you want it to last a long time and not just because if you know you have kids, I have kids, anyone who's listening, you know, your little girl or little boy this week may love Paw Patrol. Next week, nope, it's something totally different. So it's a it's hard to go. Yeah, I try to push away from getting too themed in a room. Um, but those, you know, when it comes to the kind of elevated beds or just unique beds, it really depends on the size of the space, the location on how we get into the space, right? So it's multiple things to look at, and then duration of how long you want it to last. So there's one I'm doing right now down in West Palm Beach for a family. It's a very large treehouse. The second floor of the treehouse is eight and a half feet in diameter circle. So it's big. It's, it's a, the room is very large, but the entrance into the room limits me by the door is only 36 inches wide and the height is eight feet tall. So I have to design it in doing the plans that everything has to come in through that door. So it does, you know, it makes me when I'm thinking of it, I can't go too insane to make it so difficult that this is going to take forever to install because no one wants me in their homes for more than, let's say, seven days. We try to do it where we make it all here in our shop, get on site, install it, and say, have a nice day. And many of our clients will send us keys. I'll go there. I won't even meet the family there. The family won't be there. We'll do the install and leave, take pictures, and then Mm -hmm. they come back, and it's done that way. You super rich, but yes. you ain't even home when the contractor that, makes your house look like a tree house. When the guy's installing a $90,000 room in your house yes. and you ain't even there, that's when you're that's, like Hollywood rich. That's It gets crazy. But on the flip side to that, the, and in doing this, it was from, I worked on a, uh, I did a kid's hotel as part of a boutique hotel that's in Thailand and on Phuket. Phuket is like a coastal town in Thailand on the coast. Beautiful place. And it was during that time I came up with, it's a peg wall system that's called my wall. But, and that's, I try to use it in every room now, but it was because of doing all these high-end rooms. I thought I need to come up with something that's flexible as far as creativity that you can change it all the time, isn't crazy expensive and lasts a long time. Because so many products as parents, when we put into a kid's room, a couple of, you know, two years and now the child's outgrown it. or the taste has changed or whatever it might be. So I designed the system and it, it lasts from infant to, I still use it as an adult, right? So, and it just follows me because of the material it's made on. It's, it's, it'll last a super long time and I can use it for anything. So that came from me doing these other custom rooms and the idea that, oh my gosh, isn't there something that I can do that's not crazy expensive? <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let's just get for the listener though. Let's have some fun with this next question. Like what's one of the craziest things you've designed and, and, you know, complete with the price. So I'll, I'll use an example of a, a family in, in Dubai. 
they called me up. Actually, they had their designers call me up and said the family would like a fun, creative space outside and inside. So it was a small playroom. For them, it was everything from the peg wall, the tree house, um, outdoor and indoor, outdoor play area that looked like a tree. But I had to construct it being in Dubai so that it would last during the, through the seasons because they even still have seasons there. It gets cold, brutally hot. And with the sandstorms, it had to even work with that, right, that, that blow in there. So I used all materials that would be great outside, made it white. So when the kids, you know, touch it, that it, it's not hot. So the materials were a combination of plastics and metal outside. But when it was all said and done, it was about a $260,000 install. So that's that's my highest point right now. <laughs> so, But with that, you have to think of, the design that went involved, that was involved, then the fabrication of all the elements, then get a container, right? 40-foot container, pack it, ship it over, and we installed both the exterior areas, which were very big, and the interior playroom. It took us, I want to say, seven days for the two, and the family was not there. So, <laughs> of, of course, they're super rich. Only the staff was there at their house. But, but the, yeah, again, let, you, you meet so many different people. And I'll tell you, the, the one common denominator, no matter where you are in the world, whether you're here, Indonesia, Dubai, England, wherever, it's kids. Kids are the common denominator. And parents are all the same when it comes to how much everybody loves their kids and what they would do for their kids and the feelings behind them. So no matter, it's like, no matter what religion you are, even, even it's every client we've had super nice people. Can I just sum this up and say, it's like Ikea on acid. Like if you want something so far beyond what you'd imagine, like you want a tree built in your house. You want a clubhouse on top of a tree with slides coming out each direction. You want stairs that go up to it. You want like a pegboard rock climbing wall. You want uh, mobile modular wall systems that also serve as shelving all on casters and a ladder that slides across the whole length of the wall on a bar. Um, that's the kind of things that you can express and the kind of things that you can fabricate and put together for a kid's room, for a commercial play area, for an industrial hotel application where they want to put like a play space in it. Um, absolutely amazing. Can I also ask you about the man cave? It looks like you built this man cave that again has a tree in it. The which, tree looks damn real. Here, hold, I, hold I, it up. Which one? Let me, I'm trying to find the page here. The it, trees you construct literally look dang. like they're oak trees. <laughs> are those like, are those like swings in the middle of the man? Oh game? yeah, yeah. Those- so some of the things that I love to do. So yeah, that that is for a, kind of a sports man cave basement. And some of the things that I like doing, and this anybody could use this. This is a great tip for people. If you go and find, I've gone on Amazon, the swing mounts for swings. Those are the perfect item to hang around your basement or in any, even your kids' rooms. You can get them for like two for $30 or $40. And I love the, I love mounting those to ceilings to use. It's so inexpensive to get hanging hammock seats that can then quickly turn a room from, you know, it's not only your couch and some seating for your family, but if you're having a party, all of a sudden, boom, 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 you use the mounts on the ceiling. You have all these hammock seats or swings, whatever you want. And it totally changes the vibe and, you know, changes the room really quickly. And it's not that expensive to do. So that one that you're looking at, 
I put some of the little details were rolling casters on everything that's there. So the storage, the air hockey table, um, all the, all the furniture has rolling casters. So the kids can quickly move everything out of the way when dad's not around and make it a big play area or quickly roll it all back easily. So people, you know, even your young kids can move the furniture around. So for that one, there's also, I think I, I did a wall that's, that guy loved uh, all the Washington sports teams. So the Capitals. Yeah. Yeah. On the skins. Right. So, and the nationals. So there's like a display wall, almost like you'd seen a museum uh, for memorabilia. And then it has a funky, if you can see it, a really, I love doing uh, hanging televisions that are really kind of wacky where it looks like it's hanging on pulleys with a, with a weighted, it looks like a, a sandbag weight on one end holding it up. So I've done that to a number of homes and it's a very unique way uh, to make something that ordinary you think is really high tech and kind of put a steampunk kind of vibe to it. So that's fun to do. <laughs> oh, very cool. And uh, yeah, I love the use of hammocks or these like hammock chairs inside yes. of a like rec space or something. Yeah. And in fact, I mean, you're right. You put, you, you take two of those hooks on the ceiling. You can actually put a full blown hammock in front of a window or something. Yeah. And, and just taking the outdoors and bringing it indoors. Yeah. Um, so fascinating. Like there's something and, great about if anybody's, you know, this is something that's fun to do for your kids. Just get two of those mounts, put them in your basement or in a child's room and put a swing on it. The kids will love it. <laughs> and it's not that expensive to do. It's just, you got to yeah. take time. One last detail that I've noticed in a bunch of the spaces, but you've mentioned it earlier, and that is casters on things. When I first yeah. saw the picture of the living room and it was all brightly colored and had all this kind of cool Disney looking kids stuff and a tree growing out of the middle of the room. And, 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 and I looked, and I'm like, the couches and the table all look like they're on wheels by design. That's a brilliant idea because you, you're, as you'd said, you want to reshape the room, reconfigure it for when all the nieces and nephews come over and the kids are just all playing downstairs. How easy is it to just put everything on wheels? Do they stay still though? Do those casters yeah. been locked? Is it yeah. a challenge keeping the chair sitting still? No, I don't think so. They have different types of locking casters now. And the other reason for doing it is like kids love building forts, right? Even up into the teen years, <laughs> they still like doing it. So that helps with doing that. So it's a combination of it turns the furniture into more accessible kind of toys for kids to mess around with, as well as the dual purpose of a room from a playroom to a family room, you know, and change quickly changing to, Hey, we're having a bunch of friends over or the kids are having a sleepover. Let's quickly move the furniture out of the way. So it's, there are multiple reasons for it. Mm. Very cool. And as I've heard adaptive, you, design these rooms, you create these rooms, you build them all in your facility, and then you ship them to be installed into somebody's home yes. uh, for the kid's bedroom or for the, or for the backyard play space. As I see on HGTV on all these design and build shows, you know, there's oftentimes the artist that walks through the house and is like, I think we should put an oak tree in the middle of the room and <laughs> your bed should be inside of a clubhouse shaped like a shoe. And the carpenter is going, what? How in, the, how in the hell do I build that? I mean, it's wood. It's got some physical limitations. There's such things as physics. Um, Chris, do you ever get into that with your fabricator and your design team? Like you've dreamed up some imaginative thing on a blueprint and they're like, hey, man, how the hell are we going to make this? Um, you know what? It's luckily 
and this goes back to, I'll, I'll go all the way back. I've been building things since I was a little kid, right? So I've been doing it forever. And in college, again, got more training, into, especially into welding in college, which was great. So my knowledge is pretty in depth on what, what's easy and what's difficult to do, right? So the guys in our shop are amazing. And I'll, I have yet to bring in something that is, oh, we can't, you know, this can't be done. I love it, man. Ikea on acid. I'll say it again. It is amazing <laughs> to think that with like a wooden frame or some sort of steel fabrication and then a rubber applique on the outside, you can recreate a tree inside someone's house, complete with the foliage and the leaves hanging off the ceiling yeah. and part of its mural, part of its three-dimensional. It's just you build the coolest stuff, man. But again, some of the things are very practical, very useful in all applications, whether it's exotic kids room, or you're just looking for a clean way to combine both storage spaces and useful spaces. I cite um, that Mylar or the my wall that you've been speaking yes. about just really cool wood grained modular squares and rectangles full of peg holes that you can move throughout a room, mount to one wall. You've got one behind you. It can be used to hold shelving. The holes can be used as pegs to hold coat racks. You could affix other elements to it to create cabinets that would hang on that shelf. But the fact that it's just a, a wall that can be moved around in various configurations filled with round holes and then the hardware to boot that has a little stem coming off of it and like a metal bracket yeah, of some kind. Uh, that's an amazing invention that is so useful in the clean lines that everybody's looking for that combine both storage and some kind of neat look with wood grain walls. Yeah. Cause with, with it, it gives the ability to a person to literally do anything they want on the wall. And then the strength of the wall, it'll hold over 4,000 pounds. Very cool. I could go on and on. We're going to put pictures up at connectingvets.com. You can see all of this, but uh, if I want to see more about adaptive and um, you know, some of the projects you've completed, where do I find it? So it's adaptivedc.com and just leave the E off adaptive. So the company's name is adaptive design concepts, which you could also do that.com, but it's easiest to say adaptive and then the letter D, the letter C.com. Awesome, man. Very good. Chris Jones, I could just trip with you for hours, man. I love it. I love the interior spaces. I love the shirts for the exterior of my body. That is MOS Apparel. If you want the story of your MOS told, if you want the story of your service rank and what you did told graphically on a t-shirt, uh, you want to look up MOS Apparel. But uh, again, just all things creative. I love how your mind works, man. Keep up Thanks. all the great work. Thanks, Phil. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Ion Veterans ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Or you can listen ad-free with Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at Wondery.com survey. Hi, this is Jill Schlesinger, CBS News Business Analyst, Certified Financial Planner, and host of the Money Watch Podcast. This is the show where your money is not scary and it's not boring. It is a show that's all about you. It's your questions that make it possible for me to provide unconventional and entertaining insights on your money and maybe more importantly, on your life. 
I'm going to be your financial coach, someone who brings common sense and an insider's perspective on how to manage your money and your emotions. And I promise we are going to have a little bit of fun along the way. Have a question from retirement to career changes to college funding? Just send us an email at askjill at jillonmoney.com. Follow Money Watch wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen ad-free on the Amazon Music or Wondery app. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts.